0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, a Southridge member podcast. Today, I want to highlight an amazing leader. I'm really thrilled to introduce you to a friend of mine. Her name is Karen Ward, and I'm so happy to have her with us today on the podcast. She is an exceptional leader, a beautiful Christ follower. She's a mentor to me, and she's absolutely one of my favorite people. So Karen and I met each other a few years back through a mutual friend, Ellen Karen and I are both next level facilitators. And along with Joan Hyatt and Karen McKay, we, we met through the recertification process for next level leadership. And every year we connect. And over the years, our connection has deepened. And in the last two years, our paths have really aligned. And so, Karen, I want to welcome you to the podcast today. Thank you. It's good to good be to here. Good to have you. Good. Um, can you share a little bit about yourself? with our members about your family, where you live,
1: maybe the church community that you're a part of? Absolutely, yes. Um, so I have lived in this area of Carlisle, um, which is just north of Waterdown, Burlington area, um, for about 15 years, uh, when my children, who are now all married and are giving me beautiful grandchildren um, (laughs) moved out so we moved out in here to the country Um, I love the quietness although Mm -hmm. airplanes have started flying over don't know what that's about but my family I have three children a son Uh uh, Michael who lives in Texas with um, his wife Lori and Mason and Blake my two granddaughters and then I have a daughter, Jennifer, who actually lives here with me and her husband and her um, child, Elias, who mm-hmm. is thankfully at junior kindergarten right now. Okay. And that's the quietness. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, our baby, Christy, is not really a baby. She's 33 and lives in Waterdown and with her husband, John, and uh, with two grandsons. Um, Levi and Cooper. Hmm. And so that's my family. And the church community that we currently go to is Chartwell Baptist. Mm-hmm. And um, I miss being with them. We have not started to go back um, to the church in any way, of course, like everyone else we're doing online. Sure. Um, but that's where we are currently going. Okay.
0: That's awesome to give us a little snapshot into your life. Karen, as I mentioned, um, you and I met through, um, along with Karen Mackay and Joan Hyatt. Um, we met through Next Level through Ellen Duffield and maybe share a little bit about how you got connected with Next Level and even where you use, where you facilitate the Next Level, um, material.
1: Okay. Um, actually, uh, Ellen had um, been working and still works at Muskoka woods and mm-hmm. I had been working at Camp Minioe and all of the Christian camps in Ontario have a conference. And at one of the conferences, um, Ellen was leading something from the next level leadership, um, content, um, okay. material. And it just, she came up to me and she just expressed something that I was experiencing without me saying anything. And she said, you know, you probably need to learn a little bit more about this stuff. So I then took the training for next level leadership over the next actual six years, because back then it was just on weekends right, um, once a year. And so that's when I became a next level leader facilitator. Um, recently, mostly what I have been doing with the content mm-hmm. is trying to rewrite it into an indigenous perspective, um because I've realized that uh, women, indigenous women, they mm-hmm. are lead- they are leaders, but they need this training, but um not quite from the Western. And, it, and to be honest, Ellen has done an incredible job of um, putting in content that is outside yes. of the Western view, which is great. So there's just little tweaks that I'm making, sure. but I am currently rewriting um, and taking that content, putting it into an Indigenous perspective with Indigenous mentors.
0: Uh-huh. And because
1: I'm not Indigenous myself and yep. um, hoping to have training, uh, hoping to be training a couple of the women up in the community that I go to, mm-hmm. that they would then become next level leader facilitators up there.
0: That's amazing. Wow. That's quite a, um, that's quite a challenge to take that material and to adapt it in that way. That's really, really beautiful.
1: Well, I'm not sure it's a talent. It's just comes from the 15 years that I've been involved and the knowledge that I have Mm -hmm. gained from being, um, involved with the indigenous communities in the North.
0: Well, as long as I've known you, Karen, you've always talked about, and you shared with me your love for the people of Mish, um, of Mish Kikogame. Can you talk about Mish? How did you get connected to that, to that community? Um, where is it located And what
1: can you tell us about, about the Mish community? Well, Mish is, um, located. If you, if you, uh, put it in on a map, it's about a 21 hour drive from here. You can drive to Mish because it is the last road accessible community in Mm -hmm. Northern Ontario. Everything past there is fly in only, um, But uh, what I do is I fly into Thunder Bay, and then I drive the five and a half, six hours um, to the Mish community. There is a little town just past Mish called Pickle Lake, and then just past Pickle Lake is where the winter roads start in the winter. And how I first got connected, well, I had just left my position as a director at Camp Mignoy and was asked by an influential gentleman in my life, my father, um, <laughs> who was running a nonprofit at the time and wanted to provide a camping type experience for First Nations kids in the north who would never have the opportunity to come down to a Minnewaki or a Muskoka woods, sure. and um, I really didn't want to. I, I really didn't feel that that's what I was supposed to do. It was far in the north, and I personally um, like to know that I'm doing things well. And Uh I knew nothing, nothing about First Nations. I didn't even realize what was up north. Um, I really didn't know much about northern Canada at all. Hmm. So, um, but because it was my father, I Mm -hmm. did go up on the first trip that we were to be introduced to everything and the talk about possibilities. And through a little boy, in one of the grade one classes and what he had asked for, um, when I asked, what would you like to do when you are, if you were to come to a camp, if we were to bring some kind of a summer program here and just the way he answered me, um, I just Mm -hmm. felt God saying, um, this is what you're supposed to do and you don't have to know everything I already do. So it was kind of like, all right, put your seatbelt on. Um, I knew that I had been myself dealing with, um, not really relying on God too much because I was good at what I did at mm. camp. And mm. I should never have written that in my journal because God was like, okay, let's <laughs> deal with
0: that. <laughs> Do you remember so, what that little boy said to you that, that was so
1: impactful? Well, it's, um, It's what he did because I, you know, kids were putting up their hands and saying things like, um, crafts and games and, you know, the regular kid things, he put up his hand and when I pointed to him, he shook his head and put his hand down. I didn't want to just leave it. So I looked at the teacher and she said to me, it's actually what the teacher said. She said, oh, they're just so used to people making promises and not keeping them. And Mm. that just stabbed me in the heart. And I bent down, put my hand on his shoulder and said, I promise you, I will be here this summer. And up until that point, I had already told my dad, I'll go look at it. I'll write the program. I'll hire the staff, but I'm not going. Wow. So. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. God had different plans. (laughs) Clearly. So, So that was about 15 years ago. Yeah, that was about yeah, fourteen and a half years ago, um,
0: and so you kind of ended up in Mish, almost by accident, really by God, yes. yes, and yes, I don't want to say by accident, but it it was surprising to you that you ended up there. Is it was is what I'm sensing.
1: Yeah, it was surprising, and yet, I mean, even my my work at Minioe, I do remember when I was about 12 years old just kind of walking up one of the paths and seeing all these women leaders and thinking to myself. And I'm always I'm an introvert. I think to myself a lot and I dream things and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I often talk myself out of it. But I remember thinking to myself, one day I'm gonna work here on full-time staff. And how I ended up on full-time staff at Minioe is another bizarre Um, journey. So I guess I was getting a little bit used to God having bizarre Mm -hmm. ways of showing me what he wanted me to do next. And it often has to do with my own spiritual journey. Yeah. And uh, really, that is what has happened here with this whole thing that I do with my First Nations friends. Sure. Well, I'm dying to get
0: into talking about that But before we do, can you share what you've learned firsthand about the First Nations community about um you know about the history of Canada, about the trauma of this people group? Um,
1: what are some of the learnings that you've experienced that you would want to share with us? The very first thing I learned, and it's very this again is another bizarre part of the journey, but i i don't I'm not one of those people who keeps a lot of memories, but one right. of the times that I was moving. Um, And it was just as I was getting into this, I found one school book that I had kept, no idea why. And Hmm. it was my grade seven um, Canadian history. Okay. And so I just happened to be looking through it and read the four pages of information that we had been taught on First Nations in Canada. And... I realized that there was something amiss from Mm -hmm. those four pages and what I was experiencing in the North. And so I spent a whole year just reading everything I could and um, trying to get information. Again, I was still reading the non-Indigenous perspective and history. And so I was very fortunate to, um, while I was working in Mish, to be hired by Tickanagan Child and Family Services uh-huh. um, in Sioux Lookout. That is the child services organization that is run by the Indigenous communities. And I got sent um, to a whole pile of the communities in the north that you can only fly into. Um, I, was, awesome. I was asked to um, try and figure out why their prevention program, so this is their parenting, helping the parents keep their kids, why that program was not doing well. Uh-huh. And that's a whole story on its own. But um, I I just, I met so many people, was able to ask so many questions, was able to come up with so much information. And I kept asking God, like, why would I be doing this job? I'm not quite sure what this is about. I now know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I mean, there were times I was flying on little propeller airplanes into communities where the runway isn't that long and the airport is actually a shack and looking out the window and thinking, oh my gosh, if my mother knew what I was doing right now, being an introvert, I would get out of the plane and go, I just want to go home.
0: I, it, it was
1: so, but I just felt God had told me to do it. So I was just supposed to keep doing it.
0: And for but. years you were doing it alone, right? Sorry? Like for years you were traveling up there back and forth by yourself.
1: Yes. yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I I used to work in Suluk lookout for one full week, travel to all these communities all by myself and hope that someone would pick me up at that airport. And I was always lovely people that I met and um, wow. still friends with on Facebook, which is really cool. But that helped me to learn an awful lot. The bottom line is I learned that the history that I had been taught, many of us had been taught for many years up until recently was, uh, I don't want to say a lie, but it it uh, did not give the proper information of what really went on in this country. Sure. And so um, in learning what our true history was and how we took land and we, um, and I'm, when I say we, I talk about European Um, ancestors, we just did not come to this land and do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And for 500 years, the systems, yeah, have been terrible. I mean, currently, we still have an Indian Act, which keeps Indigenous people as wards of the state. and. Well, here's the here's the the main thing, and then everything goes from this. There's a, a document called the Document of Discovery, mm-hmm. and it was uh, a papal bull or a, um, just a you know the Pope at the time decided, okay, we've been through the um, Crusades and some some attacks by other people, we're going to just protect ourselves, and so he wrote this document that basically said when you go to New lands. If there is anyone on it who is not like us, is not civilized, and does mm-hmm. not want to become a Christian, you can consider them non-human and annihilate them. Mm-hmm. Try and convince them to become Christians first. Mm-hmm. But uh, and that's the document that uh, Christopher Columbus had in his Some hand of when that he arrived is underlying in our system still now, and that is why. Um, wow. Things are the way they are right now. That also allowed residential schools, or as our first prime minister said, was to get rid of the Indian problem. And, you know, 160,000 people go to those schools and 99.9% of them abused Mm -hmm. um, and then go back to their communities, not knowing what love is. They weren't loved have children, don't know how to love, don't know how to parent, because they weren't parented. And that is what the communities are dealing with right yeah. now. Right. So it's, it's, you know, it's one thing to hear about all this type of thing going on in another country. I mean, my sister and brother-in-law were, um, missionaries in Haiti and to be over there and see that and know that it had a lot to do with a very, um, not good government Mm -hmm. it's one thing but to be in your own country and in your own backyard see things that are the way they are because of government systems because of what the church bought into and helped with Mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's pretty mind-blowing And, and that's did. what it did.
0: It blew my mind. <laughs> sure, and ravaged
1: your heart. <laughs> ravaged my heart. Changed. Oh. It changed my um my theology, my walk with God. <laughs> uh, it changed even my view of God. It it helped me see God from a totally different perspective. Uh, my wow. relationship with Jesus Christ is the way it is right now because I have gone through this in the last 15 years. And I am so thankful for it. Hmm. Beautiful.
0: Well, let's fast forward a little bit, because like I said, when we introduced um, you on this podcast, I met you a few years ago. And then about two years ago, I'll never forget talking to you up at the leadership studio. And you had just launched Mish Brave Girls. And as you know, we have Southridge Brave Girls and we are kind of the the pilot project for Ellen. And so to know that there was this second brave group was like just amazing. And can you tell us how that how that came about, how the how the brave girls in MISH came about?
1: Well, um, Ellen at the Leadership Studio has had brave women um, or brave women and girls weekends. Mm-hmm. And I just felt that it would be very good for me to bring one of my dear friends from MISH um, who had been chief for 12 years yep. and is now running a program, which I can tell you a little bit more about in a minute, but um, her and her two youngest daughters, Savannah and Hannah, um, I thought it would be good for them to be at this long story short, Connie thought it was fantastic what was going on at the brave girls, um, mm-hmm. was just being kind of launched in a curriculum written. Mm-hmm. And she said, Oh, you need to bring this up to Mish. And I thought, yeah, that, that's <laughs> a great idea. <laughs> but the one thing I have learned is, um, you don't take control of that. You need to be asked. You need, sure. you need to know you are, um, they're blessing you to come up and do this for their community. So um, I knew that it wasn't something I'd just do and head up there and start making it work. It uh, needed a bit of time to, uh, to work out. So um, fast forward a couple of years, and I get this um, text from Connie basically saying, could you come up and run that program for girls um, in September and October? For a week, um, I said, Sure, I probably can't make it happen in September, but we'll definitely do October. Uh-huh. And so, as I was sending her emails and saying, "This is what we'll do," and um, all that, and asked a couple questions, she said, "You know that this is every month from now on, and you are the mastermind. <laughs> you are the mastermind." I said, "Okay, I love wow. that. I mean, that's that's um, how things happen, um, mm. and for me, that's the type of thing I need." In order to know it's right. So right. we did start Brave Girls. Um, wow. and I've just been taking the stuff that um Ellen has written in her first book about brave women mm-hmm. and the things that we've experienced um in workshops with Ellen. And again, kind of rewriting it from an Indigenous perspective. And really all I did was um, for me, it was very, very fortunate that I'd already been there for 15 years. I had run this Miss Adventures program. And so many of the young girls that were now in their teens, I had known since they were, you know, mm-hmm. five, six, seven years old, I'd yeah. had a relationship with them because the, uh, a little bit of the missing piece that the listeners need to know is that, um, in a partnership with Muskoka woods, we had brought many, um, Potential leaders down to Muskoka Woods for a week. And mm. um, so there was already a connection. Yeah. Already a group somewhat growing. And they were girls and guys, but this uh, was just going to be girls. So I just put a Facebook page together, invited a whole bunch of the girls. And I currently have about 16 that have been to some, um, one in particular has been to every single one of them. And as a reward, she gets to come and hang out with me next month for the month. Oh, Um, that's amazing. See if we can get her connected into school. But, um, so yeah, that's what we've been doing. So we've got this two year program, um, yeah, that has happened. Now, recently, as in the last month, uh, Connie, my friend said, um, you know, the women need this and we need to get the girls a little earlier. So hmm. we are now launching Junior Brave Girls mm-hmm. um, for grades five to eight. Mm-hmm. And um, next weekend, so the very first weekend in October, I am running a Brave Woman's Retreat up in Nash, wow. And so, yeah, we're going to have Brave for almost everyone from 10 and up. Every right. Woman. Because
0: when you started with Brave, it was for high school girls?
1: It was for high school girls. Okay. Which is
0: a bit different. Our Brave is is for junior high girls. And so now you're going to have a Brave Girls, a junior high girls, and a Brave Women. Yes. And, and that's all been because the community has been asking for it through, through Connie. Oh, that's amazing.
1: Yes. Yes. And yeah, in, in this two years that I've been hanging out with the brave girls, I have met so many of the moms. I've known them for years, but, Mm. um, now the moms are wanting to connect with me and talk with their, you know, about their girls and how can we deal with this and, you know, um, they were learning last month. We were at this place called Pashkagogan, which is their healing camp area. Yeah. Um, you have to take either a boat or a snowmobile too. Uh-huh. I remember
0: it quite well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you got the boat ride and, uh, even though it was raining on us, that still wasn't as bad as the snowmobile ride that I, uh, Yeah. Oh, really? Cool. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> well, the snowmobile ride is, is, Often in minus thirty five degrees, and then you've got the wind chill of the snowmobile going faster over the lake. Yeah, yeah. Oh my, bizarre. but it's beautiful. Uh Anyway, um, the one the woman that was cooking for us last month was the mom of one of the girls that was with us, and so Mm. I just said, "Why don't you join our our whatever you can join?" And so she joined when we were doing some crafts, and Uh she really loved it. And she said. Um, you need to do this with the women and the women and their daughters together. And Mm. it's like, yeah, it's, um, it's time.
0: Amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Well, Karen, I think back to a couple years ago when I had you and you and Tristan actually, uh, who's from Mish who was doing probably his grade 12 year um, of education um, living with you. I had both of you come and lead the blanket exercise with some of our brave girls. At that point, it was our alumni brave girls. And can you think back and and share how that experience was for you and for Tristan? Do you remember that?
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It is, the blanket exercise is just so powerful. And I'm always excited about doing it because I know that the majority of the people that are experiencing this exercise have, are going to hear truths that are going to blow them away because often I'll, I'll watch people's faces and they just go, they, their eyes pop out and they go, really? Um, it's very, um, powerful. Mm -hmm. And so I always love, I, I, I think I have. A desire to be a teacher, and 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 the best part about being a teacher is seeing the lights come on when a new idea and a new truth, and so that is the best part of the experience for me. But to have Tristan, to have an indigenous person um, yeah. as part of the blanket exercise is much more powerful, and mm-hmm. it really should be read and uh, by an indigenous person. But we we switch it around so that I'm reading the indigenous perspective part or the indigenous. Uh-huh. Lines and Tristan was playing the European. So he actually got to take some people and put them in presidential school. And again, very, very powerful. So it was powerful for Tristan as well, because most indigenous people, especially in the north, don't know this history either. Oh wow. They are we are just starting to do the blanket up exercise for people in Mish. And right. I mean it's powerful for those of us who are not Indigenous. It's it's Yeah, it's um, eye opening for Indigenous people, because some of the lies that they have been accepting for 500 years are, you know, coming out and they're realizing the truth and what has been done. So um, for Tristan, as we um, at the end, when we go around the circle and let people, you know, say a little bit about what they were feeling and for Tristan, he's very soft hearted wonderful young man. And, um, it was hard for him to watch a few of the girls crying over what they had just learned. And I remember when we got in the car, he said to me, because Tristan doesn't speak a lot. Um, but when he says things, they're often very insightful. And he said, that was really hard for me. I almost cried myself. Mm. And I just remember thinking this and saying it right away, Tristan, I think we may have discovered what the beginning of reconciliation is and it's um, learning the truths together and crying over this mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, I think you're right. And so that was one of the most powerful moments mm-hmm. and yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that. It was a powerful moment. It was a
0: powerful evening for our mm-hmm. girls as well. Mm-hmm. And I remember after that, you might've even called me on the way home Yes, I and do. you did <laughs> and said, you know, I-, I think that you said to me, I-, I think we should pair our girls up in a pen pal relationship. And what do you think about creating brave pals? And I don't think I even hesitated. I'm like, absolutely. I'm in. And so uh, we started now. It's been a, it's been a slow process, um, but we're in this for the long haul. And, and we've started this, this letter writing between our Southridge brave girls and the Mish brave girls. And again, that's, that's just part of the, the healing. The really cool thing is a year ago, Kathy Van Driel and I had the opportunity to come up and join you on one of your brave weekends. And we actually brought those letters. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a moment I'll never forget was when those girls received the letters and how impacted they were, how grateful they were, how much it meant to them that somebody
1: cared about them. Do you remember that one young lady, Gracie? Uh She's just. She looked at us. She looked at Uh the letter. She looked at us, and she said, "Why do I deserve to get a letter like this?" Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And
0: you know, another girl was like, "Do you think they would come and visit us?" Yes. Yeah. It was really, really beautiful.
1: Yeah, and it's so unfortunate because um, in May I was planning to bring the girls down and mm-hmm. I had got permission and we were going to be doing a brave girls here in our area. And we were going to try and bring some of our girls together and maybe go and visit, uh, uh the six nations and stuff like that. We were, this was going to be a really cool thing that we were going to try and put together, but COVID happened and that's now on hold. Sure.
0: Sure. I mean, that's a whole other conversation, maybe for another day. But how COVID has impacted uh, the Mish community. But I guess as we as we close and wrap up, I'm I'm just thinking for people here at Southridge, for those of us who want to learn more, whether it's about you know the blanket exercise or about your organization Burning Stone or how we can support you and pray for you. What are some ways that we can connect with you? That we could get involved with that? Maybe follow you on social media. Is there any? Um, Anything that you could share with us in that regard?
1: Sure. Uh, I do have um, an organization called Burning Stone. And uh, that alone, the name of the organization is a story in itself. But again, for another time.
0: Um, <laughs> oh, Karen, and, we need a couple hours.
1: <laughs> um, but uh, I do have a website. So www.BurningStoneMinistries.com. And there's, there's lots of information on there. And, uh, also a way to, um, sign up for the newsletter. And often when I send out the newsletter, I also send out, um, you know, if you would like to pray, um, you could be a prayer partner. And every time I go North, I send out a little email to everyone who has said they would like to be a prayer partner, um, so that they know what's going mm-hmm. on, what I'm heading into. Mm-hmm. And so that alone is incredible because there is one thing I've learned and I've, I did my master's of theology, um, including some indigenous perspective courses. But, Mm -hmm. um, the one thing that I have struggled with as a follower of Jesus is this whole idea of prayer. And he has just been letting me know that, um, being covered in prayer especially when I go north, is extremely important. Mm. Also, it's extremely important to cover these young girls that I am working with in prayer. And so I also have a prayer partner um, where if you want to pray for a particular brave girl, uh-huh. you can send me an email and I can hook you. Well, I- I'll let you know about one of the girls, what her name is, what she's going through and what you can pray for. Amazing. Um, most of the girls know that um, I haven't told them all at this point because um, I only have a couple of them being prayed for. But once most of them are being prayed for, I'm going to let them all know. And mm. usually the ones that do know, uh, again, their eyes just kind of pop out like there's someone doing that for me. Um, That's amazing. But not just for that purpose, but also the prayer covering is so important. Um, yeah. I do have a Facebook page. Uh, Uh, I'll, I'll be honest at this point, I'm the, um, only one working with burning stone and I do get a little bit of help from my daughter and son-in-law here, as, Uh um, you saw, he hooked me up to do this podcast, (laughs) um, but, uh, so you know, the administrative side, the posts and stuff like that, I need Mm. to get a little bit more of, but I also be, need to be extremely cautious. Um, the one thing that, I mean, my dad worked at world vision for years. And so I've experienced for years newsletters and reports from other countries where they talk about what's going on and the poor things that are happening and all that. And that's not what I want to portray. Um, These are my indigenous friends and, uh, you know, who are struggling because of a history that they didn't choose. And so I don't put out there a lot of, um, uh, the negative and, and and I'm really trying to get them to have the courage to Mm. start speaking, um, start taping some of their own thoughts and their own words and Mm -hmm. posting that on my website. So it's what it's that you're hearing from them. Sure. Um, so, so that's how you can connect. I am going to put a little plug in here quickly. Alicia Etch is a singer songwriter and she Uh has partnered with, um, burning stone. She is currently working on a new album of which wow. the proceeds um, are going to come to Burning Stone. She was, many years ago, one of the young people that I took up to Mish with me and um, experienced that and her heart was changed and she is writing songs for that. And so okay. um, she, you can find a link to her website on my website as well. Okay. And so that's real cool. So those are amazing. the things. Yeah. Okay. That's
0: great. Oh, Karen, thank you so much for joining us today. What you are teaching me about being brave and about being a bridge builder um, is just immense. And I'm so grateful for the incredible impact that you're having, Mish, and for the incredible impact that you're having with our brave girls and really for the ways that you are just building the kingdom of God here on earth. And so I'm so grateful our paths have crossed, and especially in the last few years that our paths have really aligned um with all things brave so really really good to have you on here today i want to thank everyone for joining us we will see you next week as we continue to find our way together have a great week everyone take care